celebrating Christmas is cool. <laughs> celebrating Christmas with Nazis is not so cool. <laughs> Welcome to the Brampton Talks podcast. This week we're talking about Giorgio Mammoliti and federal politics in Brampton, a questionable organization hosted by Peel Regional Police, and the Integrity Commissioner's resignation. Sources have revealed that controversial former Toronto City Councillor Giorgio Mammoliti may be seeking the PC nomination in one of Brampton's ridings in the upcoming federal election. This isn't Mammoliti's first try at Brampton politics. In the spring provincial election, he announced his intentions to run for the PC nomination in Brampton Centre. But just days after the announcement, he decided against it, citing his Toronto constituents as the reason. I, I wish, I wish Georgia Mammoliti would just go away. Um, this guy has, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be fair to him at all, because I don't think he deserves even a... Uh, you know, a semblance of fairness, because let's let's take a look at his history. He was part of the NDP when Bob Ray was in power, then the Liberals. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he was uh, part of uh, the PC. So he's jumped ship between multiple ships many times. He was a staunch Doug, Rob Ford critic before he became Rob Ford's biggest fan on council. In fact, you know, the Fords called him a weasel at that time. So uh, he's now just trying to weasel his way into Brampton to to run federally. And that's what I see as happening here. I'm not going to mince words here. I was looking at his Wikipedia um, uh, profile before we, before we came onto the show. Because I, I was interested, because I can't remember all the controversies about him because there were so many. And, <laughs> oh, I can. And, and, and so I was reading one here that I found just absolutely hilarious. In August 2014, Councillor Mamaliti ex- uh, expanded on his desires to restrict EDM events in Toronto by suggesting that all food festivals be banned in the wake of a stabbing at the Taste of Danforth. Mamaliti was quoted as saying, I guess this is what happens when kids do pierogies and has urged, <laughs> and urged all attendees to submit their food for testing. This guy is bad eye insane. Like he is literally the craziest guy. His whole his Wikipedia profile is just full of this. And, and I was just trying to remember, like there's just so many different things about this guy. It was impossible to kind of put one to the other. Everything was just a big haze of just foolishness. His reputation literally reads like an SNL skit. It's bizarre. You know, I've been watching Twitter. I've been looking at, to see what people have been saying about this. And I don't think one person has had anything positive to say. It's funny because he was very much in favor of Doug Ford slashing Toronto Council. And we knew that some of those faces would go away once that happened. Thankfully, and, he was one of those oh, faces. I, I think yeah. everybody was holding their breath waiting for it to be him to be one of those people. And he is now. So I guess he's looking for his next thing in politics he's been a politician since 1992 so literally he's taxpayers a queer uh, by definition 100 percent. and across the board when you look at brampton this municipal election being a perfect example we are finally weeding out all these old folks like we have a new council the you know the longest they've served is four years but when you look at the provincial government and the federal government for brampton we have all these new faces and young people who are fresh to politics and i think that that's been really beneficial for us so i'm sorry like by Felicia, we really don't <laughs> want you here. Au yeah. revoir. When you look at Mamaliti's uh, last attempt at Brampton, when he tried to run for the PC parties and then was 
unceremoniously returned back to city council. He was basically laughed away. He oh was my gosh, away, people right? pulled out their pitchforks. And and I have never seen Brampton so united against one person because <laughs> the pitchforks came out instantly. Like not one person thought it was a good idea. Even on the ground, because um, there was there was quite a bit of worry amongst some PC circles in Brampton Center at the time because they were in the middle of their nominations. Mamaliti jumps in. No one even knows what to make of this. And, and there was a bit of confusion but Memily did a great job of just burning tons of connections in the writing amongst PC circles because he upset a lot of the organizers on the ground. And who's considering running in Brampton Centre right now for the Federal Conservative Party of Canada? Ron Chatta, who is like a, a well-known community organizer uh, who's who obviously would probably beat a Memelidi in a nomination. So I don't know if this is just a last-ditch effort from Mamaliti. He's kind of seen Patrick Brown's comeback story, and he thinks he can replicate it here in Brampton. I don't think it's going to be that easy for him. He, he has such a long rap sheet of just doing ridiculous things, saying ridiculous things, taking money from developers, getting tax breaks, being just a general kind of sort of racist, homophobic person. So There was the time just... when he supported a toll going into Toronto. Very progressive. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, very progressive. And then he criticized John Tory, who wanted a toll going into Toronto. Obviously. Right? So Obviously. like that's uh, that, that tells you a lot about his personal beliefs and he, where he's he, He's a man anything. of contradiction. He's a yeah. complex individual, Shashil. The fact you can't understand him, it, it just goes to show how, how little you appreciate hey, complex hey, characters. Wait, wait, but he does, despite being, you know, a pro-family values warrior, uh, this guy has, you know, advocated for creating a red light district uh, for prostitution as well as, you know, on, on the Toronto Islands, as well as instituting, like, an 11 p.m. curfew for children. Like, he's yeah. like... All he's all over the place. He, he, it's like on one side, box. one side is just like this totally like liberal policy. On the other end, it's like fascism for children, <laughs> right? <laughs> he's, he's he's a man who's willing to be creative and think outside the box, which is which is what you need in an innovative uh, society that we live in. <laughs> uh, I just threw up in my mouth a little bit, but <laughs> I, I okay. I, at the end of the day, okay, let's talk the politics here. You have to win a nomination. This is not a general election where yep. you just say crazy things and people just show up to the ballot box and vote. This, this is, is a, not America. No. This is Canada. And this is this is a closed election format. It's a nomination. You need party membership. You need to be able to have strong roots in the grassroots, on the ground. He's not from here. This will be very challenging you, for him in you, a nomination format. And then, like zero connection to Brampton, and, even and less than Patrick Brown. One major thing is he would need Andrew Shear to sign off on his yes. nomination. Yes. And, you know, Andrew Shear is this is folksy... You know, he, he has this veneer of like being a very nice guy and that's what he wants to come off as. And he can't just willy-nilly sign off on Mamaliti no, of Mamaliti's all people. No, not... See, Andrew Shear is your next-door neighbor that yeah. you say hi to. And he, sometimes he shovels your driveway and cuts your grass. Sometimes you shovel his driveway and cut your Mamaliti grass. is the guy that burns your lawn, yes. right? Like, that's who he is. <laughs> He's the one who experiments with new pesticides and accidentally <laughs> burns your grass in the process. He's the one that keeps, like, 20 chickens in the backyard. And then... <laughs> And a goat. <laughs> and then bans you from doing it in your own, yes. right? Like, that's how he is. Yes. Uh, if, okay, so if not anything else, at least Mamaliti has, um, he, he's awoken the the uh, interest in federal politics. Uh, it's kind of wild. We're less than a year away from the next federal election. How crazy is that? If you put in the writ period, we're probably like 10 months away before people start going wildly knocking yeah. your doors. Like, yep. That feels like yesterday when we had our last one. Mm. My gosh, so many elections. So we just got off one, and I, before that one, we just got off another one. So, uh, but I think that at the end of the day, I just don't see it being 
likely that he wins a nomination. I think the PCs have an opportunity here in Brampton. We are seeing turnover. CPC, the Conservative Party of Canada and the Progressive Conservatives are two very different parties. The (laughs) (laughs) Canadian uh, uh, Conservative Party of Canada, sorry, and the Progressive Conservatives of Ontario. My apologies. Yeah. I'm very so, sensitive about this. So. Yeah, we're, we're, you're here to fact check. That's, you know, I'm just here to be the peanut gallery extra. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I just don't see him winning the nomination. They have an opportunity here. We seen we saw turnover at the provincial level. We saw, you know, Ontario going a little bit more blue. So I, I don't think that anything's guaranteed. And I just think it would be a bad move for them to bring him in when, I mean, you can kind of say that he's kind of been a guinea pig already. He's, we've thrown him to Brampton and Brampton has said, hell no. So I don't see him winning. I have a feeling we'll just say hell no again. And you know what? The math is very different for nominations. He's just going to get wrecked if he tries. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's it's a closed universe. It's literally who you know. You can't just put on an inspiring campaign and all of a sudden you've won. And there is an element of that, but not really. It's a very closed box election process. Um, and again, Andrew Scheer needs very good candidates in Brampton to ensure he can break some of the, the red block that exists here for him to have, even have a chance at like a minority government. Because the polls, if there are any indication this far out, and you know, take it with a grain of salt, it's showing a very clean and clear liberal victory for Absolutely. the most part. And it, it looks like it's Justin Trudeau's to win. That's what we're hearing. But at the end of the day as well, I do think he has some opportunity. And or the, I should say the party has an opportunity to win some seats. I just don't think that they can do it with Manolini. No. And I think if you want to mimic anyone, mimic like, you know, the Ontario, uh, so yeah, the Ontario NDP or mimic uh, the federal liberals who brought very young, dynamic candidates, right? Uh, you you want to mimic that type of pool of characters to be fighting here. That's what the Conservative Party needs. And it's a place like Brampton that is super young and dynamic. I will say, though, that the, when you look across the board at some of the liberal weak spots in Brampton at the federal level, I will say that Brampton Centre could be considered one. We've got really strong leadership in Brampton North with Ruby Sahota, in Brampton East with Garage Graywall and with Kamal Kara and... So there's a couple spots that, you know, some new candidates might be able to get into. I would say that Brampton Center and Brampton South would be the two. Yeah, Brampton Center by far is the most winnable conservative riding, relatively speaking, walking to the next election. You don't want to waste that on a Mamaliti. Plus, that guy's going to shoot himself in the foot 20 times in the election period. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he already has, he's, and he hasn't even, you know, publicly he, said yet. Yeah, 100%. I, I, again, it doesn't even survive a red, uh, the the uh, green light process yeah. of the party, the internal party process. I don't know. It's it's fun to speculate on this. Uh, but Mamaliti is bad eye insane. Peel Regional Police recently hosted an event with a questionable organization that's raising eyebrows in the community. Yeah, um, so uh, I'm Hindu. Let's just top it off with that, <laughs> right? And and this organization we're talking about is the Hindu Swayam Sevak Sangh, uh, which is uh, essentially the foreign wing of the Rashtriya Swayam Swayam Sevak Sangh. Moving uh, forward, HSS and RSS. Yes, so we'll call them the HSS and the RSS, and and the HSS is basically the foreign wing of the RSS. And it was formed in, you know, the 1960s um, after an emergency, like after, you know, the national emergency in India. Uh, and they use it to kind of funnel in money for na- Hindu nationalist causes in uh, in India. Right. And and obviously this is a problem because uh, a lot of a lot of the Hindu nationalism, uh, especially the second leader of the RSS, uh, was a Hitler admirer. 
right? Uh, he talked about emulating the way uh, the Germans have been dealing with uh, with their ethnic minorities, and he wanted to replicate that in India. And so that's just, um, you know, I hate to poison the wall here, but this is how, how it all started. Um, and so they were holding a relatively innocuous event. Uh, the event was for uh, Raksha Bandhan, and, uh, you know, if you're Hindu, you know, I had Rockies tied on my uh, on my hand, and I had to give away my money, too, to my sisters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a shakedown, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, and the, the issue is not the event, right? It's, no. Again, you know, we have no issue if a community organization is putting on a Christmas event, but if that organization that's putting on the Christmas event is the Nazis... Then yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, and 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 the problem here is that the RSS, um, especially in their founding, they've been uh, they've been the folks that have been uh, causing all sorts of uh, turmoil in India. Yeah, right. They've been you know lifting up their pitchforks against Christians, against Hindus, against Sikhs. Um, you know throughout the you know the the, the foundation of the organization, and. Um, They've even been raising their pitchforks against other Hindus, right? That's that's how intense it gets, right? Right now, what they're doing is they're anybody that dares to critique the the current uh, BJP government run by Modi, uh, they would accuse them of you know being an anti-national or, mm-hmm. uh, or or that sort of deal, and and it's dangerous you know nowadays to speak out against the government so publicly, especially if you're a public figure. Um, and so you know I'll pass it off to Jaskaran. He's the one that really found this issue. Yeah. It, it, so what happened was. Um, uh, the Indian Consulate General in Toronto attended an event put on by the HSS. So that's where the story starts. Um, and that was very worrisome to me because, as uh, she'll just explain, so the HSS is part of this larger thing called the Sangh Parivar, which means the Sangh family, um, which is made up of various organizations with RSS essentially at the top of the hierarchy. So the RSS has multiple arms in this family. The HSS, their international arm, the BJP, which is their political arm, uh, which Modi used to be an RSS member before becoming an elected member of the BJP. Um, and then they have what the CIA calls militant religious organizations, such as the VHP. So the RSS is has been banned three times in India uh, for extremist activities. Uh, they have been, there's a red flag on them from the Amnesty International and the Human Rights Watch. So anyways, they're holding an event here in Canada and the Indian Consul General attends this event and speaks at it. At this event, and he knows damn well, right, who this actually is, who these organizations are. At, at this event, there's a picture of M.S. Goelker, who was one of the co-founders for the RSS. Uh, and uh, I can't remember touched about, a fan of Hitler, uh, speaks very highly of the Holocaust. Uh, and a lot of those, those principles are actually enshrined in the RSS movement. It's a far-right nationalist movement, uh, an extremist body. So I tweeted about that. What happens is once I tweet about it, I get a bunch of people in, engaging with me and providing me sources to other things, of other activities by the HSS um, that's kind of been operating under the radar. And mind you, again, like Rakri is, is a totally fine cultural event that it's, people celebrate everywhere. It's a normal thing, right? Totally you know? normal thing. And, but the problem is like when it's co-opted by far-right people. Right? Yes. It's like when the far-right co-ops the poppy, yes. for example, right? Like it is a cultural symbol. And it's being co-opted by, you know, far-right nationalists for their own causes. And it kind of, and and that's essentially what's happening here. So coming to the point, uh, because I know this may be the first time many of you are hearing about this. So we kind of want to give a bit of background. I know the South Asian community here in Brampton is probably much more aware of this than the non-South Asian community. Peel Regional Police, back in late August, holds a Rakri event with the HSS. 
Of all organizations in Brampton, keep in mind we have a significantly large Hindu population. We have multiple mandirs that you could have held something like this at, but no. <laughs> No, you choose the HSS. You choose the Nazis. Well, it's ah, like all said, the people. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with Christmas and celebrating Christmas or going to a Christmas event. The problem is when you know, say Nazis are the ones holding it. That's what the yeah. real. And in this Christmas. case, in this case, Hitler sympathizers organization. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I would advise you not to go to the Hitler Christmas jamboree. I would say don't attend that yeah, event. There's lots of other yeah. jamborees. There's a lot of really great ones out and there. Just don't choose this one. I think yeah. this does really uh, shed light on. Um, shed light on how a lot of extremist organizations as long mm -hmm. as they're run by people of color right they tend to go under the radar over here yeah i think it's right? it's look we have white supremacists white nationalists which have been owning the the airwaves and yeah. media and, and paper headlines for yeah. a while now and, and then, rightfully so and it, aside it, from that you know from the right wing of canadians media they would only really mention and talk about um you know Islamic nationalists, yes. right? Like that's what they talk about. But I mean, everybody else kind of goes on the radar when they do a lot of fundraising work that goes back to their home countries mm -hmm. and does a lot of danger. So why does this matter to listeners of, of Brampton origin or that are living in and working in Brampton? It's, I think this is a bigger symptom of uh, Peel Regional's police uh, often criticized community outreach. Uh, that, you know, there's probably not much insight and research and intel in the Peel Regional Police if they're holding events with these folks. And this event was hosted at a at the police at, at a police building, uh, the Peel Regional Police building on I think it's on Derry. Uh, so they held this event. They hosted this group. I think that's that's bad in and of itself, but it's also indicative of what the community policing looks like. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know who this got approved by or how it sort of fell off people's radar because it's bizarre to me that they couldn't or didn't research this group before they made such a strong connection with them um, to co-host an event, essentially. It just and doesn't really make about any sense. It. They put pictures out about it. And I don't get it. Yeah. From a public relations standpoint, which is where I'm always looking, I just think it's crazy. I'm, I'm really flabbergasted that Peel Regional Police had no clue. As the police organization <laughs> that's supposed to protect our best interests, Interest. You know, they did not I, know I this don't, information. But I, I, I don't blame them necessarily. Like, it's not knowledge that you would have. Yeah. Like, right off the bat. Like, like it's not something, like, it, it would be really, really tough to critique them really hard on this one. It's more like, you know, hey, you screwed up. Uh, don't do this again. What and I mean, here are other so, Hindu organizations but, you can work but with. But it's telling that they didn't have anybody on their side yeah. that would recognize and knows the community groups in Brampton yeah. and, and Mississauga well enough to have picked up on this. Like, yeah. that's a problem. And, and, and I think, what again, it's most major police forces have an anti-hate uh, department or officers on an anti-hate um, um, department within the police force. Uh, so you would think there's some insight into the operations of uh, extremist or militant groups as defined by the CIA that are operating within places like Peel Region, where you have 70, so Brampton is 75% visible minority. About half, half that is South Asians, people of South Asian origin, most of which are people of Indian origin. So you, ha you, you expect a little better from the police force before holding an event like this. Again, though, in good faith, I'm sure they didn't mean to. I, no. I, I don't deny that for a second. Uh, but it is indicative of overall community policing from the, the Peel Regional Police, which they've been criticized for for years. Whether that's the black community, the Muslim community, Sikh community, Hindu community, 
They've been criticized for their lack of community policing outreach efforts for a while now. I would I would just give this tip. I mean, next time you want to hold a Raksha Bandhan event or any sort of Indian event, um, we have the Ram Mandir, which is on Derry. And we have uh, we also have the Hindu Sabha Mandir, which is on the Gore Road. Uh, you can go to either of those. They're both in Peel and they're both fantastic mandirs. And, and they're both really inclusive places where you can that, that are focused on building the local community, uh, not necessarily funneling money uh, to foreign extremist organizations. Yes. Oh, you can always ask Shashil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> day, I think it's a good learning lesson for Peel Regional Police and across the board when they're hosting any event or partnering with any community group to be in touch and in, at, tapped into the community well enough to know who they're collaborating with and what that organization is doing. Brampton's Integrity Commissioner Guy Giorno is resigning, citing the election of Patrick Brown as his main reason. Giorno, who served as Chief of Staff for former Prime Minister Stephen Harper, has an existing relationship with Brown, who is an MP under the Harper government. Giorno's decision was made to maintain public confidence in the objectivity of the Integrity Commissioner's office. Yeah, this is, um, again, I, I think it's clear, we have to say here, this is not Patrick Brown's fault. No. <laughs> no, it's actually like... We're, we're starting things off on a good foot here. Yes. It's a, it was a really, really smart and savvy idea to start off with a clean slate. Um, we know that they, obviously they have a relationship. I think Patrick Brown said in The Guardian that he's known him since he was 15 years old and well into when he was in politics in his early days as well. So they clearly have an existing relationship. At the end of the day, it was to maintain the integrity of the integrity commissioner's office. So... I think when people saw the headlines, they jumped to some conclusions, thinking that it might have been something controversial that caused the resignation. But it's really for the betterment of Brampton, I frankly. Feel like good on him that, you know, he just recognized this conflict of interest and stepped down. You know, Absolutely. Like, so he's a, he was a partisan, right? And not too far back. Oh. Uh, and now he's a very respected lawyer and uh, for bribery and corruption files. Uh, so it makes sense that he, he pulls himself back from this and, and gives an opportunity for a new integrity commissioner to come in. However, I think it is noteworthy to remember Giorno's probably biggest impact uh, uh, in his tenure as integrity commissioner. And that was the John Spurberry, you know, I hope uh, all these colored people adopt and accept the values of white people when they settle here. Yep. So he ruled, obviously, against Sparvieri that he should take um, sensitivity training. I think that that was it, though. There wasn't any docking. Yeah. So what happened? I guess in in a kind of a strange Brampton politics uh, story, Harkirith, who was a school trustee at the time, was the one who lodged the complaint uh, that resulted in Sparvieri getting, um, I I guess, penalized. I'm not sure if he, he actually had to pay a fine or anything like that. But it was Mid- a slap on the wrist. It was. He, did, was he also did apologize publicly. He did. And then he rescinded it in, yeah, in the last debate. Yeah, he exactly. did rescind it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was ever sincere. No, I mean, he was essentially opinion. forced to apologize yes. and then grudgingly did so. And then, you know, for every other public event that he had, basically rescinded his apologies. So yeah. Well, I, it was I, never sincere. I remember while it was happening, uh, John would... He, initially, right after, he just kept defending himself on TV and on radio, just kept digging this hole deeper and deeper and deeper until he finally apologized in city council on a council meeting. Uh, I think what eventually ended up happening was Martin. So, yes, uh, Giorno says, Sporeri, very bad of you. You 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 did wrong. Um, and then Martin uh, Maduro says, I think this is an opportunity for everyone on council to take some sensitivity and diversity training and equity training and understanding 
you know, what, what the power of words are. And I think that was a decision council eventually took. So it was actually a fairly, uh, fairly progressive and proactive approach to kind of taking uh, this lesson learned from John. Uh, but John, you know, he was kind of an idiot with what he said. It, it was very offensive. <laughs> oh, it was very offensive. And it was just the resistance to apologizing was the worst part, I think. Yeah. It was just really embarrassing. And I think Linda Jeffrey at the last debate said that was the only time she was ever truly embarrassed by somebody, one of her counselors. So I, and I, I have, truly, to, have to agree with her. I truly believe because of that incident, John didn't run again for counsel. I truly believe that because I, I think he saw the writing on he the wall. He wouldn't have gotten He burned way too many bridges. He was in wards 910, which is the most diverse wards in the city. Harkita comes up to challenge John. John just removes himself completely uh, from the, the regional council race uh, and ends up running for mayor. And I guess one final see you later and loses miserably. <laughs> You know, so the story has a good ending. It's a nice ending. <laughs> it's a good ending for Brampton, definitely. But going back to the integrity commissioner, at the end of the day, is a really smart decision. I think it leaves the the playing field even going into this new council, and that's really what we want. We don't want any of the baggage that existed before. And this is an opportunity for everybody to go in with a blank slate. There's not going to be any accusations about unsavory things. Not yet, anyway. We're hoping. <laughs> We're crossing our fingers, but who knows what will happen. But I think this is just a good way to go in with a clean slate. It's a really smart decision by him to step down i agree yeah nice clean break and that is all for today thanks for listening in to the brampton talks podcast for more details about any of the stories or topics we discussed this week check out brantonist.com <laughs>